0: That's a presumption that God is doing bad things, and I have to know in my head, God only ever does good. And so if he allows it, it's good for me and it's effective to bring him glory. I don't just need to feel better, I need the truth. And ultimately, that will make me better. I just want to make it as
1: simple as possible for ladies to see that the Bible is really applicable to their everyday life. When they understand theology, the application flows out of it quickly with joy. It is a journey, but even the journey itself is joyful when I'm doing it, holding the hand of my Savior and trusting Him all along the way. This is the Joyful Journey podcast, a podcast to inspire and equip women to passionately pursue beautiful biblical truth on their journey as women of God. When you choose truth, you're choosing joy. Hey listeners, we are back and this time we're going to be talking about some of your questions. Jocelyn and I were excited to get a whole list of questions from you guys and we are going to do our best to get through most of them, right Jocelyn? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> so if we didn't get to yours, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I do think that we're going to get to most of them here today. Thanks for taking the time to give us those. Who wants
0: to get a start? You want to start Jocelyn with okay, a question? I'll ask you your first question. What are your top five books for pre-marriage or engagement? There are several,
1: and it's interesting. The way that Brent and I do pre-marriage counseling, it's not primarily a book. He has a whole Mm. curriculum of just topics that we're going to go through, which is primarily idolatry, Mm. but there are some really good books out there. I see that whoever wrote the question wrote, besides the meaning of marriage, (laughs) but I'm going to say... The Meaning Meaning of of Marriage by Tim Keller. It is a very good book. So they are obviously already have that one. Mm -hmm. It is a good book. I also like, for engagement or just thinking about it ahead of time, Marry Wisely, Marry Well Hmm. by Ernie Baker. It's really good at thinking about character qualities and what I need to be thinking when I'm pursuing someone and what needs to be true in my life so oh, that's a really good book i need
0: to check that one out yeah for my good. kids not for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's clarify
1: <laughs> and brian says huh. what? <laughs> <laughs> another one that i really like paul trips what did you expect that's good I really like the videos. Mm. He's got a 10-part DVD series that Brent uses anytime we do pre-marriage counseling Mm. and frequently in marriage counseling. That's good. They're like 20, 25 minutes each with Paul Tripp teaching through that material. That's excellent. When Sinners Say I Do by Dave Harvey is another one that we've used that we really like. One that I'll mention that is on sexual intimacy in marriage, When Two Become One. Oh, that's good to know about. By Chris McCluskey. I really like that. There is no book that is perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to bother with, they all have caveats. There are things that, it's not the Bible, but mm-hmm. he does a really good job. He does it with his wife. does a really good job of talking about, especially the first section of the book, the spiritual implications of sexual oh, intimacy. Oh, that's
0: good. Yeah. I'm it's glad really to good. know that. I don't it's know. I book. have never heard of that book before.
1: We do, like I said, a lot on idolatry. Brent's premise, which I completely agree with, is pre-marriage counseling is an opportunity for each of you to learn your own false worship patterns, mm. your soon-to-be spouse's false worship patterns, and to be committed to helping each other grow in those. Mm. So we do a yeah. lot on that. Gospel Treason would be a book on that. It's not about marriage, but it is about (laughs) idolatry. So those are some of my favorites. Awesome. Let me ask you something. What are some devotionals you would recommend for moms? I know you do a lot with mom to mom so you're kind of thinking about that area. Yeah, I am thinking about that.
0: I really love the book Sufficient Hope by Christina Fox. I have never read that. It's really good. You definitely should read it. It's a great book. This is one of the books that we used in mom to mom as our curriculum one year. And here are some things that I love about it. First of all, every chapter after the first intro chapter, every chapter stands alone, which is so good for oh, moms. Wow. You don't have yes. to read it like in order or be lost. You don't have to have read the previous chapter to make sense of this chapter. You can just read that chapter, make sense of it, and move forward with application. And also, they're not very long, which is helpful for busy moms, yes, and like in our context, if you missed a week of the study, you wouldn't be lost on the book. What I really love about this book is that every single chapter connects to the gospel in a significant way. Oh, that's so so important. It's really cool. So the author will say, here's this problem that we moms face, and here's how the gospel has answers for it. And bonus points. She never pretends anywhere in the book to be a perfect mom. (laughs) She lets us see into how she's made decisions and how the gospel has impacted real decisions in her life and real problems in her life. So we'll link that in the show notes. Another question that one of our listeners asked is... If you could go back and change one thing in your life, what would it be?
1: I mean, that's such a trick question.
0: I know. Do I believe in the sovereignty of God or not?
1: (laughs) My my answer is like nothing. I I wouldn't change anything. (laughs) Because God used it to bring me to himself. But I get it. it. When I look back, I had to think about that for quite a while. And one thing I would say is I wish that I had... Created mm. more opportunities to talk about the gospel with my parents, yeah they're gone. We did talk about the gospel, but I wish that I had not given into fear mm. as much. Mm. Now, I rest in the sovereignty of God, right, but I do wish that, and in general, this is going to sound kind of lame, but it's actually it 's just very true. when I look back on my parenting years, I would love to have been more aware of my idolatry earlier. Mm so that I was less selfish in my parenting and not thinking it was a good parent to be strict with your kids oh, when yeah. sometimes I was just strict because I can't stand to be disobeyed. <laughs> it wasn't because yeah. I want to help you look that like Jesus. That was what Jesus. Was best, yeah. Yes, yeah, so it was thinking about me and not you. And, and it was, I didn't always recognize that in my parenting, and I would love to go back and do that differently.
0: Yeah. I How was, about you? I, I was thinking about this and thinking like really, truly nothing. Right. Everything that God has allowed has shaped me. And to the person who I am. And then I was like, okay, wait a second. I would go back and not start comfort eating during the pandemic. <laughs> like,
1: what was I thinking? I just <laughs> think it's amazing that you didn't comfort eat
0: till the pandemic. I've done it my whole life. Well, I, that's mean, awesome. I did. But I had a little period of time where I was doing really good. And then I was like, if we're all going to die, I'm going to eat the brownies anyway. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> but, but truly, Every single thing that has happened in life, God has shaped me into who I am today. Yep. And so I really don't think I would go back and change anything. There's things that I wish I had done differently, but I don't live with a huge string of regrets. That's right. Because every single thing that happened was part of God's discipleship of me, God growing me, God changing me. God humbling me, which
1: my faults is what he uses to keep me from being unbearably proud. And even unbearably proud. (laughs) I'm already proud, but I don't know if it's unbearable. (laughs) That's so funny.
0: I was even thinking like suffering. I wouldn't go back and change something. So I got out of that suffering. Like God formed me. I needed it. it. Yeah. So yeah. Comfort eating. Probably that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The next question is for you, Janet. What do you do when your parent is making choices you wouldn't agree with or are sinful? And you want me to answer that one. I see. I want to hear this. All
1: right. You know, that's an interesting question. And here's what's hard about these questions. I have 4,000 questions I want to ask back. Yeah. Follow up. So it's just got to stay general. Mm -hmm. So first of all, are we dealing with a believer or unbeliever in a parent? Yeah. So if my parent's an unbeliever and they're making choices that I don't agree with or are sinful, how do I deal with any other unbeliever I love that's clearly making those kind of choices? I don't have a Greater obligation mm-hmm. to make my parents do something. Mm-hmm. So I love. Mm-hmm. If they're believers, I really do believe it's helpful
0: to take a step back and say, What would I do with another brother or sister in Christ? I've talked to you about this topic before, and that has helped me so much. Like, it doesn't really matter that this is my daughter who yeah. is my sister in Christ. Like, how would I handle anybody who was about to fall off a cliff? Right. You stop them, right.
1: Like, you save them. And I think that that's really helpful because sometimes we want to do more because it's mm-hmm. our parent. Like, I'm going to overteach, and Mm. I'm not their teacher. Yeah. And they're not asking. And you're not their authority. No. Yeah. So I'm not going to guilt them. I'm not going to every time I see them. But what would I do with another brother or sister in Christ in that situation? If it's just something I don't agree with, let's be clear that there's a huge difference between I don't agree with it and it's sinful. Yeah. And I think sometimes we confuse those. We think, I don't think it's wise, and to be unwise mm. is sinful. Mm. Therefore, the fact that they use their credit card and don't pay it off <laughs> every month is sin. And I'm like, well, it may not be wise, but, but I'm not ready not to call yeah. it sin. So if they ask my opinion, I'm happy to help. But just because I have an opinion, I don't need to share it. Yeah. So if I just don't agree, it depends on your relationship. And I would say this, if you have a good relationship, where you think, but I love them, and mm. maybe they don't recognize something that I could help them with, I would really encourage you, certainly be prayerful, not be reactionary. Mm. And if you believe, I believe it's out of a right heart and out of love, and I believe we have the kind of relationship where it would be appropriate, ask their permission. Mm. Yeah, I think that that's really important whether they're your parent or not, quite frankly. Yeah, that applies to anybody, really. It does. It's just respectful. I find that it's really helped me because if I see something in your life and I just walk up and say, hey, I'm concerned about this, it's more tempting for you to be defensive. Mm -hmm. But if I say to you, I love you, here's what I know about you, either I will say, if you would like some of my thoughts on that Mm -hmm. and what I've seen, let me know, or would it be okay with you if I shared my perspective? Yeah, It's very different. Yeah, I think it's, it is loving and respectful. So, or decide if I don't need to share it. I love the uh, duct tape rule, which I think I mentioned <laughs> we, with yeah, the adult children. But I realize my parent is not my adult child, but they are an adult. Mm-hmm. And so unless it's so important to rip duct tape off your face, I don't have to say something. Mm. So if it's sin, mm. what would I do with a brother or sister right. in Christ? Respectfully go. Mm-hmm. Humbly Go. Again, I go thinking of them as an older brother or sister. So mm-hmm. I go with that level of honor yeah. and respect, yeah. um, not as their authority. So I might go a little differently than I would go to the child I'm raising. Mm-hmm. I would go with more of a, an honor and a respect, but I would still go. Mm. Excellent. So don't do less than you would do for another brother or sister mm-hmm. in Christ, but not necessarily more either. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. So hopefully it's helpful. How about this one? What is your number one piece of counsel for younger women? And I don't want number two, and I don't (laughs) want number three. Well, you know how we Uh, love boiling uh, it down to our
0: favorites. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, this one was not that hard for me to boil it down. I think my number one piece of counsel for any younger woman would be to learn how to care about Jesus's opinion of you more than anything else in the world. Wow, that's so good. Yeah. I don't know if that's
1: what I would have said, but I agree now I think that you said
0: it. I think it's where so if I was thinking young women like they're just skating in their twenties and making their way in the world, like if you ask Jesus to help you love his word, you can learn to walk in a way that's righteous. Yeah. And your greatest joy is gonna be directly correlated to your willingness to think, do, and desire things righteously. And on the other hand, your greatest sorrows, you can bank on it, will be the result of you trying to figure out life on your own without the righteousness of God informing mm. every thought, word, and deed. In fact, this, it's helped for me to think this way. Like God said that trying to figure out life on your own will kill you. Don't do it. So there's going to be, especially for a young woman in her 20s in 2022, 2023, there are going to be thousands of opinions in your life. And it's gonna be tempting to allow every single one of those opinions to influence you. Even if you think about Instagram, there's a whole sector of the world. Their job is to influence you. That is their goal. It's their goal. Yeah. And so living for the pleasure of your creator will be the only opinion that causes you to have joy. Not having that thing, not having the lifestyle, not having that person, living for that audience of one is a skill that's begun at salvation and it's honed over time, but it takes practice in the middle of difficult moments to think the only person whose opinion matters right now is Jesus.
1: And it will mean living beyond our emotions, you know, because I don't always feel like that's true.
0: Yeah. And you'll probably need the help of some older godly women in your life and your family to think through practical applications because some of those are You know, they're going to be complex, but nothing is going to satisfy you as much as living in a right and pure relationship with the creator who dreamed you up, had the power to bring you into existence and then made sure there was a way for you to be reconciled to him through a relationship with Christ. And so you can be confident as you go from childhood to young adulthood that there is going to be so many things that vie for your attention. All of them promise to make you happy. Yes, But only Jesus will make you really happy and only he will give you joy that lasts. His opinion is the one that matters.
1: I love that because I think that's just so true. The older I get, that's still true and it's still a temptation. But Mm -hmm. I at least have bits and pieces, not as much as I wish I had, of a track record Mm -hmm. of living that out and getting to taste and see that it's true. But when you're in your early 20s, you got to take it by faith. Yeah. And that's hard. I think you're absolutely right. And I
0: think the leap between 18 and 21 are critical years because when you're under 18, especially if you're raised in a godly home, your parents have been informing a lot of your choices. Yeah. And they've been influencing you a lot. And probably between 18 and 21, you won't yet be married in most cases. So your husband's not going to be informing your decisions. Literally, it's you. Yes. And that's, for women, that's an age that's targeted with this false dream of happiness that if you get what you're looking for it's going to make you happy go out into the world live your own life you only live this one time so make it count and it's just lies lies that have empty fulfillment they're not going to satisfy you and
1: i think so that leads to clamoring to get that thing Mm -hmm. or looking at i don't have whatever that is and looking at i've got another 60 to 80 years to Mm -hmm. live and there's like That's depressing when you believe there's this thing you need. Yeah, absolutely. That's an excellent answer. Excellent answer. Well, thank you. (laughs) Thank
0: you. I've been trained by God's righteousness. (laughs) Okay, so here's a question we're both going to answer. I can't wait for this one. Here's the question. What has been your favorite episode so far? What do you think, Janet? You know, my
1: first thought was the Thanksgiving episode. That's so
0: funny because we were afraid it was going to fly. I know. Well, (laughs) it it still might. I don't know.
1: But for me... It was, I needed to remember. Yeah. I needed to reflect back and remember and be reminded what God has done. A sweet friend, after it came out, sent me a text and is also has, how, who's not going through some really hard yeah. things. And it was a hard season. And she said, you talking about the things you were thankful for was mm-hmm. such a good reminder to me. And I was like, yeah, well, me too. Because mm-hmm. like, you get caught up in the heart. Yeah. So I needed that episode for my soul, whether anybody else benefited or not. Our walk
0: with Jesus is sweet. It's so sweet. And if we take the time to remember it, it helps to temper some of the hard. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be one. Yeah. Hesed. Yeah. I just,
1: that truth is so powerful for me. I really do think thinking about John 13 and the Last Mm. Supper through the eyes of that concept is life changing for me. So. I agree. For me, that was amazing. I love that episode. And I'm just going to say it because I'm incredibly biased. <laughs> I really loved Josh's episode on worship. I was
0: really helped by that episode. <laughs> I loved it.
1: He is my son, in case anybody's listening, did not know why <laughs> that means I'm biased. But I thought that was really helpful to me. And having my daughter putting the program together while my son is being interviewed and teaching that me. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. For me, I really love the creation mandate episode and the rescue. Because literally, I think they're the most important topics that we can discuss. Knowing yes, and why you we're probably here, talk
1: about them in ev- counseling with every, every day. Person. Yeah. Every person.
0: Like, I think about them every day. I talk about them with my kids and my husband yep. all day long. Like, it's literally the most important thing I think about. But I've also heard that unfulfilled longings and principles and methods were everyone else in the world's oh, favorite funny. episode. <laughs> I hear about them all the time, <laughs> which is a good thing. <laughs> Okay, next question is for you, Janet. What counseling homework assignments do you find yourself using again and again? Wow, that was good for me to think through. Back when I used to
1: do more community counseling through our counseling ministry, I learned when someone comes to me for the first time, they're going to leave and go to the director of counseling and ask to buy the gospel primer. Because mm. apparently I do that with everybody. <laughs> That's funny. To where Does she, have a she would just have it ready. <laughs> yes. And so I was like, That's oh, I didn't know I kind of had a thing, but I kind of have guess a thing. she have a thing? I do. But I love the gospel primer for Mm -hmm. a variety of reasons, but the whole front section of the book, because we believe the gospel, practical, what does that actually look like? Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. But I love part two, Mm -hmm. which is, what is the gospel on a deeper level, breaking it down and very scriptural? Mm -hmm. And I find in counseling, I start there a lot, and one of the things I learn is what parts of the gospel are they having a hard time believing? Yeah. So. For me, I go to part two, usually the first week, if not the first, I do it by the second and have them read through part two and underline things that encourage them and underline at least three things they have a hard time believing. Mm, that's helpful. And Helps I do that. Notice
0: what's going on. Yes, yeah,
1: So they don't just say, I know that because mm-hmm. they probably do know that. Mm-hmm. But there's some when you read it, you go, I have a hard time believing yeah. that. And it's usually that there's no wrath. Mm. And so that's helpful. That's going to help me understand why they're responding the way they are. Yeah. So I use that a lot. Heart of change videos that Mm. are free on our website. We'll have a link to them. But three videos saying, why do I do what I do? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And the guy that teaches them is really cute. (laughs) They are about 20 years old now. So he looks a little older. But that's my husband. But they're really helpful. I've learned to not use them as early as I used Mm. to. You have to be ready. Yeah. Or you watch them and go, that's interesting. It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. That's it needs to change changing. you. Yeah. So why do I do what I do? Mm. Am I ready to look at my heart? So at some point in counseling, we're going to do that. Early on, I like to have them reading the Gospels, but not just reading because they probably know the story, but read only a chapter and write down everything about what Jesus' character is like mm. from that chapter and then write down why you should trust him. Awesome. Because I tell them in counseling at some point, Jesus is going to ask you to do some really hard things. Mm. Why should you trust him? Yeah. Let's really be thinking about the heart of who he is through his own life so that when he asks, you understand the heart behind it. Yeah. So we do that. So basically for me, Amy Baker has talked about this a lot, and it was really helpful. We talk mm. about it with our younger counselors. When I'm counseling someone, starting with, do I understand how beautiful God is?
0: I was just thinking about Amy when you were saying that. Like this yes. is her, this is yes. her standard and counseling now system. It's
1: become mine as mm-hmm. well. Like as I'm talking to people, I may not have to spend a lot of time there if they really do understand they're just struggling. Mm-hmm. But do they understand not everything about God? Not do they always live it out? Do they really understand that he's beautiful? Mm-hmm. And once I've at least made a case for that, then do we understand that that beautiful God has given us this amazing purpose? Mm-hmm. And then we go, that's awesome. And then the next question is, why aren't you living it? Mm-hmm. And then we get into idolatry. Yeah. What's keeping me, hindering me from living out the amazing purpose given to me by a beautiful God? Mm. Now we're ready to get into idols and
0: figure out what that looks and like. So I do be, that a lot. And then it will be not behavior modification. Right. Like, it'll be soul that's being changed yes. by a relationship with God. So
1: every person's different. The issues are different. But somewhere in there, it's yep. going to look like that. Yeah. Yep. So let me ask you, you are really good at getting a lot out of songs, probably more than I am. I love to hear music, but I don't seek it out Mm. like a lot of people do and like I probably should. But what is a song that's impacted
0: you just with the truth of God in a new light? Oh, I love music. I really love good music. I'll say that. I don't (laughs) like listening to stupid music. (laughs) Good to know. Uh, Yeah. I am really loving the song Altogether Good by Citizen with Sandra McCracken. There's also another recording that has Paul Belosh and Lucy Grimble. This is my current favorite song about God because my daughter Haley is obsessed with it right now. And she's (laughs) obsessed with it. She has given me permission to share this part of her story with you because I wanted to honor her and not say something that was too private. But for her, the path of trusting God and waiting for him has been a really important part of her journey and obviously all of our journey, but the older she gets, so she's nearly 21, the older she gets the bigger her dreams are growing and she's constantly holding up her dreams and trying to think through whether they're going to be fulfilled and comparing that to her view of God. So is God the good in her life or is the accomplishment of a dream the good in her mm. life. And right now we're just having a lot of conversations that revolve around her dreams to one day have a godly husband and children. And that's such a good blessing, Absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely, What a, such what a, a good blessing. desire. It's a good desire. But will she violate God's ways in the pursuit of that dream? Will she settle for an awesome guy, but one who doesn't love Jesus Will she be willing to not represent God's values and how she forms a family? And she has really had to wrestle through God's promise that he is always good. He is only good. He is altogether good, even if every dream she has does not end up being part of his plan. Every time we talk about it, we still cry about it. It's yeah. still hard, but she has to ask, will God only ever be good in her eyes no matter what the outcome of her earthly dreams turns out to be even if she never gets married and never gets the privilege of having children is jesus the prize is god good no matter what and he is yes that song really helps me so by grace through faith and only because of jesus she can look at every dream through her relationship with god through jesus and say everything you allow everything you ordain Walking me through happiness, helping me to survive my sadnesses, everything you've allowed shows me the wisdom of your ways. In the longing of my soul in the darkness where I go, you are there. You are love. You are altogether good. In the weakness of my faith, in the silence where I wait, you are here and you're enough. You're altogether good. Mm. So. I just think if she can walk into the next phases of her life and through all these grown-up transitions with that theology, she'll be really set up for success. And as I look, I mean, the reason why I love this song is I think back about the anxieties that I've had in my life that were connected to this fear that I will never be able to handle whatever God has in store for me. We
1: fear what he might do. Yeah, I fear
0: that like... Whatever this thing is going to contain, it's going to be bad. That's terrible theology, right That's a presumption that God is doing bad things, and I have to know in my head, God only ever does good, and so if he allows it, it's good for me, and it's effective to bring him glory. and I'm just finding I'm camping out on God's goodness. the more and more I get older in my love for Jesus, yeah, it ends up coming back to his goodness, and so like. Like even yesterday, I just found out some tough medical news about a surgery that I'm going to have to have in the, not tomorrow, but imminently. And it's like, I do not want to go through this again. I don't want to have another back surgery. I don't want Uh, the recovery. I don't want the cost. I don't want all the things. But what was different now, 16 years after my first back surgery is I didn't knee jerk react into anxiety and panic. Like my my first thought literally was, I am very sad about this, and I cried a lot. But my second thought was, God, you are so good, and something good is going to happen from this, other than the fixing of my back, which is the point of it. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I'm not struggling with God. Are you good? Yeah. I'm just crying out to a good God. Right. So. It's an amazing song. You should check it out. I totally want to hear it now. It's so good. I would play it if it wouldn't ban our podcast episode from being (laughs) listened to, but we'll put a link in the show notes. (laughs) As far as albums go, I'm really loving City of Light and Sovereign Grace. I like Sovereign Grace. And Shane and Shane, especially, oh my word, especially their Psalms albums. And I adore Josh Garrel's, and I just found out he's releasing a new album in March of 23 or spring of 23. But just whatever you listen to, check out their theology before you dive into loving it. But those are the albums that I'm loving right now. Excellent. Okay, here's a question for both of us Who is your favorite historical theologian? And I'm just going to go ahead and start and say, I don't read historical theologians. <laughs> <laughs> I recently discovered the NLT and I was like, oh, Praise the Lord, because I can barely make sense of the ESV. Sometimes <laughs> I can't imagine tackling an old English dude. Although I do like John Owen's, especially if somebody has modernized it. So, I love it. Mata, yeah, if they've made it English, yeah, please turn <laughs> yes. it into my language. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't read much either. I liked Jeremiah Burrow's book, "The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment." It's a that's a very good book. But I really don't read yeah. much of the older
0: people either. I think we're just pretty lame. I'm pretty, I, we're pretty boring. <laughs> We have our, like, required modern reading, and that's it. (laughs) Okay, what would you suggest for someone who needs biblical counseling, but their church does not have biblical counseling, and they're struggling to find someone who is willing to do it virtually? Wow. The power of prayer. Be praying. If there are no counselors
1: in your area, and you can't find someone virtual, then God has a different plan. Yeah. God did not say... I can only help you if you find a biblical counselor. That's
0: good. That's helpful.
1: So is biblical counseling valuable? I, we believe so.
0: Yeah, I hope so. We're doing um, it. Right. Yeah. And we
1: believe it's all about helping people understand the word. It's intense discipleship. It's, it's wonderful. But God is way bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say if you know an area that you need help, get some resources. Mm-hmm. Begin learning. Maybe, I don't know what God is up to, but if he doesn't allow you to find someone, he has a better plan. And, and right? it might force you to do some work
0: we're in a really interesting time of history where we have more wonderful biblical counseling resources available than ever in the past. So there's probably a resource about it.
1: Yeah, And I would say you could start with our resource center. Mm -hmm. Go there and see what's already been curated for you. Pray for somebody that would just read the resources Mm -hmm. with you and talk through them. And I would say whether or not your church says they do biblical counseling you're under the shepherding of your pastor, go to your pastor. Yeah. Don't go to your pastor and say, if you're not ACBC certified, right. you can't help me.
0: There are a lot of godly pastors that are not certified, right. but they know the word of God and they know you yes. and they can help you understand how to use it.
1: And they are accountable by God to shepherd you, but they can't shepherd people who won't let themselves be shepherding. Right. Yeah. So I would say, go to your pastor and share what help you need and ask for them to shepherd you. So those yeah. would be some of my thoughts on that. Good ideas. Hi, friends of Joyful Journey. Faith Ministries is committed to the sufficiency of Scripture to help us grow. I find that while many agree with that, they lack confidence in applying the Word of God in their own lives and certainly in helping the hurting women around them. That's why I'm so thankful for all the ways Faith offers training to be more equipped. This training brought me to Indiana and changed my life. Each February, Faith hosts the Biblical Counseling Training Conference in Indiana where about 2,000 people from all over the world come for a week of intensive equipping. The foundational track is for all who are new to learning and many other tracks are available, as well as a women's track that is new each year. For those who can't get away for a week, it's also live streamed with 30 days to watch the sessions. And for those who can't participate in February, the sessions are offered virtually three other times in the year on Friday nights and Saturdays. I highly recommend this for your own growth and to help you as you seek to love others well, too. You can go to faithlafayette.org slash conferences for more details, and we'll also link that in our show notes. Okay, let's change gears a little bit. Here is a question that came in. I would be interested to hear how you would suggest thinking biblically on CBD oil. Should Christians use it? Why or
0: why not? This is a great question. And I can walk you through how I make decisions about topics like this And basically, you could substitute CBD oil in for any other proposed health treatment. So the way that I think about topics like this are by asking myself a couple of questions. Like, first of all, does the Bible speak specifically about this topic? And if it does, then our answer is obey it. We're just going to obey what it says. And if not, then I ask, what are some principles that could be applied to this topic? So CBD is not specifically discussed in the scriptures, so I'm going to have to look at some other principles that might apply to it. The second question I ask myself is, does the law of my land prohibit the use of that proposed medication or proposed health treatment? And if it does, then you obey the laws of your land. Yes. And if it doesn't, then you again have to ask, what biblical principles could help me think about this topic? Here's a kind of bonus question that i throw in because we live in 2022 2023 whenever you hear this episode what if the laws of my land allow for the use of a substance but the law of god prohibits it or restricts it Mm. then god's law would win yes because god's law is a higher authority governmental authority was authorized by god but there are all sorts of things that are allowed by some governments that we would never participate in because they're prohibited by god like Homosexual marriage or abortion or prostitution or illicit drug use. Like we have listeners in a lot of other countries and there's a lot of laws that are legal that are completely unbiblical or unlawful scripturally. So in this case, God does not speak to CBD and the laws of my land, at least in the state that we live in. Don't prohibit its use. So anytime somebody asks a question like this, it makes me think of like Christian liberty passages, like 1 Corinthians 11 or Romans 14. And I'll just kind of summarize it quickly, especially about Romans 14. So Romans 14 is teaching us how to handle tough passages like this in light of two things, our love for God and our love for other people. And it starts out by saying not to argue with people about what they think is right or wrong, specifically in this case about what kinds of foods to eat and like especially in the first corinthians 11 passage it was about could you eat meat if they had been sacrificed in a pagan temple yeah and so romans 14 tells us that those who feel free to eat anything shouldn't look down on those who don't and those who don't eat certain foods shouldn't condemn those who do so in a lot of cases we have liberty to make daily decisions in a way that we've thought through using general principles of god to determine whether it's a wise thing or not and so that section summarizes with a reminder that We're doing all that we are to please the Lord and to give thanks to God because we're not living for ourselves. So if we live, it's to honor God. And we know that at some point, every human will bend the knee to God and give a personal account. So stop condemning each other and decide to live in a way that you don't cause somebody else to stumble. So in general, that's like a summary of Christian liberty. So the next section in Romans 14 says Paul's convinced that there's no food that is in and of itself wrong. But if a person believes it's wrong for him, then he shouldn't eat it. And if it stresses out another believer for you to eat it around them, then just don't eat it around them. Like make it easy for them. Make sure you're acting in love when you eat. So if you believe it's good for you, then eat it. So we're aiming for harmony in the church and building each other up. And if you believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, that's between you and God. There might be situations where you limit yourself around other people so you don't make it hard for them to give a good account. And to summarize, verse 22 is really applicable to the situation with the question about CBD oil. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. And verse 23, if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, or in this case, use a proposed health treatment, you're sinning if you go ahead and do it. You're not following your conviction. And if you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. So you could take all of that and apply those principles to any health treatment that is being proposed to you. But let me just take a second to just think through the education component. So in all cases, no matter what you're thinking about using, it's important to educate yourself about the proposed health treatment. And then with those facts, you can make some decisions. And one of the reasons believers have concerns about CBD even though it's reported to have a lot of health benefits, is that it's derived from the plant from the cannabis family, which is the same family that marijuana is from. So some people may not know what CBD is. That's why it's controversial. But a key difference is that CBD is derived from one type of cannabis plant and the THC, which is the active component in marijuana, it comes from a different type of cannabis plant. So with education, you can see that it's less controversial. And then also for CBD, like... It, at least in the United States, it has to be proven to have less than 0.3% of THC and marijuana is high in THC because it's grown from a different plant. Yeah. So when you think about how this applies to scripture, CBD is not intoxicating and THC is, and we're told in scripture not to right. be intoxicated. So that's important to know the that, difference. It's really important to know the difference. So in addition to all of that, remember that you're looking whether a health treatment is lawful from both God's standards and the laws of our lands. And as more and more states make decisions on this, legally recreational THC or marijuana is becoming legal. Like even Indiana is talking about whether recreational marijuana will become legal. So if any substance is intoxicating, then it is against God's standards. So we can't just say, do the laws of the land allow it? Because the laws of the land don't really care about God's laws sometimes. In the case of CBD, it's not intoxicating. So it would be a health treatment that's lawful spiritually and governmentally to look at and make decisions for yourself. So when you're thinking about any proposed health treatment, you have to look at side effects yeah. and whether you're willing to live with those side effects. From what I understand from CBD, some people feel a little bit anxious when they use it. So if that's a struggle for you, then that would be something to consider right. when you're is making that, that best that, for Right. You. Is that best? And it's also really important to, pr- to think about how does a proposed health treatment affect your time and money? We've talked about Those two finite recesses before. Yep, a whole episode. Any proposed health treatment is going to cost. Right. So you have to evaluate whether that treatment is something that you can financially bear. Some CBD is really expensive. And the thing that's hard about it is it's unknown whether it's actually going to help you or not. And so you'd hate to spend all that money and not have it benefit you. And then on the same token, you just have to think who's going to benefit if I buy that proposed health solution. I'm just going to give you like an older... A Titus two older sister wisdom, just look who's going to be benefiting if you buy that solution from them, and is it someone who's telling you about all these great benefits because they're going to get rich off of you? Well, that's right. just an, that's an unwise it's thing. It's just a marketing. It's thing. It's just a marketing thing. So, just in all situations, examine your motives. Make sure that you're being wise. That you're being financially sound, and then make a decision that you believe you can proceed from with faith. So. I pursue what I pursue because it's a matter of faith, not out of fear or any misplaced hope. If you can think through all that and believe that the health benefits of CBD would be a blessing to you, then you can use it believing that it is good for you and you would not be sinning. But you do need to think through it on your own. You need to come to terms with the decisions that you have made personally.
1: I love it. So shorthand, it's if any decision like a health treatment of any kind, Mm -hmm. it's, does God's word speak specifically to it? Right. Does the law of the land prohibit it? Mm-hmm. If either of those, we just obey that. Right. If the law of the land allows it, I still have to say, what does God say right. about it? And then I need to get educated mm-hmm. and say, why is everybody so nervous? Mm-hmm. It feels like I'm taking marijuana. Mm-hmm. Is that true? I need to look into that and find reputable sources. And, you know, to your point of who's going to make money off you buying it, What's the mindset of the source? Yeah. Do they want everyone to believe a certain way because they have an agenda?
0: I really like taking advice and wisdom from people who will not make a penny off of me. Yes. Like yes. you're just sharing this out of the goodness of your heart and the wonderfulness of this product. You're getting no payback. You're, yeah, yeah. You're not getting anything yeah. from it.
1: So I think. If I can think through that and then I say, I don't know, it just makes me feel kind of guilty, don't take it. Yeah, because you would be sinning. You would be sinning
0: if you believe that it was not correct. You want to be able to make confident decisions knowing that this does honor God. Right. Because that's more important than getting relief or healing. One of, actually, the fellow who was in charge of me when I became certified with ACBC was Doc Smith. A fellow
1: is not just, you're saying, No, he's a a great (laughs) fellow, but a fellow is a man who supervises other people to become counselors. Right.
0: So my fellow in ACBC was Doc Smith. And also I just loved and adored him. He was wonderful. He taught a session on this back in the day. And we actually have a link to that if you'd like to listen to the MP3. It's called How to Determine if a Proposed Health Treatment Works. It's a great session. And it just takes this big, big complex issue, like thinking through health treatments and talks about it from a biblical point of view. So we'll link that in the show notes. I love It's super helpful. Yeah, and
1: he's a medical doctor, so Mm -hmm. he's thinking about it that way, which is very helpful.
0: That session was where I learned about double-blind crossover studies and why they're so valuable. I just loved that session. Okay, here's our next question that we're going to both answer. What has been the hardest thing about making and keeping up a podcast?
1: (laughs) You want to go first? Sure. I would say it never ends. (laughs) (laughs) I, it's like a project you can't put to bed, finally. I know. <laughs> and I realized we've been at this church over 25 years and somewhere along the way early on it became a main priority for me to get things started, get them staffed, mm. train everyone, get it where it needed to be and move to the Hand next off. thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I did that with Mom to Mom. Yeah.
1: I've done that. Well, you've done that with several things that Uh, I've been involved in. Yes, that's kind of, and it's a privilege, and I love doing it. And I used to tell myself, it's kind of hard. You get it to where it's running well, and you walk away. You give it to somebody else, and you start over something hard and try to get it to a good place. And now I realize I've been waiting for this to end. I'm like, okay, (laughs) we got it to a good place. It's going well, and I'm still doing it. You're still doing it. (laughs) Look at you being faithful. (laughs) Okay, and it's a different level of faithfulness. it is. It's so good, but I'm like, oh, my word, this is... That the constant weight and pressure that I need to be thinking about another one, mm. and I need to be preparing, all of that is good for mm-hmm. my soul, but it's a new pressure. Yeah. I'm used to pressure of a deadline, and then it's over, and I move to the next thing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't end. So I think I thought the hardest thing would be, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> we have lots of ideas. I know. <laughs> I, that was easier than I thought. When we sit down to just have an annual meeting, there's more ideas yeah. than we... Then schedule, so, yeah. Because I had thought, oh, my word, I'm going to have to research things I don't know anything about. There's so many things that I do want to know about. Yeah. So coming up with ideas has not been nearly as hard as I thought. The time to research and write is difficult for me because I can get driven by the urgent. Mm-hmm. And writing never yells at me saying, yeah. you better get it done. Yeah. So then it's and until... Do you need me
0: to start yelling at you? You know what? <laughs> that would be awesome.
1: <laughs> if you could just yell at me occasionally, that would be great.
0: So that's yeah. been mine. For me it's been keeping up with the writing yeah. because it's a ton of work. Like every single episode that I'm in charge of writing is a lot of hours. Yeah. And I love researching God. I love thinking about Jesus. I love writing truth, but there's a freedom that comes in being able to do it whenever I yes, want to do it. Yes. And I have to like Take as long follow as some schedule and I can follow whatever awesome bunny trail fascinates <laughs> me. But like having the tough dedication from seeing We are recording this in two weeks and I have to get it done. Like I have a deadline where I want you to be able to read through it. And it just means like, I have to do this today and I can't do anything else.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And can we just admit you're better about that than I am. You get it done in time for me to read it. I don't always get
0: it done in time uh, for you. (laughs) Only because I have control issues. (laughs) And you know, what? it's also, here's another thing for me that's tough. It's tough to sit down and record an episode that's on the schedule that we've prepped for, but to do that in the context of a really hard day when our minds are both on a lot of other things. Yes, we've both had hard times. There's been times where we sat down and said, I don't want to be here right now. I do not feel like being interesting or funny. Yes. And (laughs) (laughs) apparently people like it when we're funny. (laughs) It's like, great, now we got to be funny, not
1: just true. (laughs) On top of it.
0: (laughs) So I remember this one episode... We were like, you know what, we're really going to have to ask Jesus to help us remember why we're doing this yes. and how we can have hope that Jesus will take this word and be a blessing to others. And we prayed. We we're Both of us were like, I do not feel like being here today. Yes. And the episode we recorded was our Christmas episode, the previous episode to this episode, where the whole entire thing was about Jesus and how wonderful he is. And at the end of it, we're like, yeah. I totally did
1: that. It <laughs> yes. was a shot in the arm. I, so if, who knows if anybody else will get anything out of it. We loved we it. it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the glory of Jesus. He makes every day better. <laughs> I love doing the, the podcast, though. There's so many great things about oh, it. Oh, absolutely. They didn't ask us what yeah, was fun about it. But... I love so much about <laughs> it. Okay. What are some <laughs> book suggestions for newlyweds parenting with children?
1: Wow. There are a lot of those as well. I would go back to the what did you expect that I mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. for premarriage counseling and marriage counseling. I just think everybody ought to go through that. Paul Tripp's book on parenting. Mm -hmm. Excellent. For little children, Ted Tripp's book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. So good to think about the young years, Mm -hmm. like the zero to five, especially. Mm, That's good to know. And Sarah Wallace's book, For the Love of Discipline. I usually tell people... First, read if we're talking parenting. First, read Paul Tripp's book on parenting, mm. which is going to be perspective, mm-hmm. gospel perspective, because that's Paul Tripp mm-hmm. and it's so good. And then you'll probably come to the end of that book, hopefully saying, I buy that. I totally see that it's beautiful, but my kid's having a temper tantrum. What do I mm. do? Do. Yeah. And then you read for the love of discipline. Because yeah. Sarah Wallace, that book is. Very gospel-centered, but it's very application Super practical. Yes, yeah. but it's not behavioristic. So if I've read Paul Tripp's mm-hmm. book and then I'm going, I just want now more what? Yeah, for the love of discipline. Yeah. So those are some of my current faves. Awesome. Let me ask you one. How do I find balance between healthy and biblical self-control, mm-hmm. fruit of the spirit, and control being an idol of the heart? Yeah. Uh, this person went on to say, The recent struggle I've noticed specifically is that if I know I can't control a situation or person, then I focus that desire or need for control inwardly, like I'm eating, exercising, checking things off a list, type A personality stuff. So where's the balance? I know that self-control is good and it's a fruitful thing to have in my life, but how do I keep it in check so that it doesn't become an idol?
0: I think it's really great that this listener is pointing out that self-control is a good and fruitful thing to have in her life. Yes, yes. And I want to elaborate on that, that self-control is a fruit or evidence that the Holy Spirit is producing the character of Christ in her as she learns righteousness through God's word. So we have to make sure we're seeing that self-control in the scripture is a fruit of the spirit and it's strictly connected to growing in Christ character in us. And that means doing what's righteous and not doing what is unrighteous, which requires control. So when you look at Christ controlling himself, it was because he was keeping himself within the stated and agreed upon plan between him and God the Father. He wasn't trying to control situations. He was controlling himself to complete the Father's plan and only the Father's plan. So I'm going
1: to interrupt you
0: to say, as you're
1: saying that, my mind is going back to what she said that she tries to control, Mm -hmm, eating, mm -hmm. exercising, checking things off a list, type A personality. I'm not hearing that any of those are, I want to do what is righteous to please my father. No,
0: When you look at Jesus, like he frequently said in the gospels, I will only say the words that are my father's. I will not want something that is not the father's. So when he was exhibiting self-control, it was keeping himself within the agreement of living God's way. Yeah. So I think often when we begin trying to control situations, that is not the main reason we're trying to control. We're trying to control outcomes. True. So if we want to grow in godly self-control, we focus on controlling ourself to only do what honors God and to stop ourselves from doing what doesn't honor God.
1: Which is not about the results. No,
0: not at all. Because that just means my goal is going to be to honor God no matter what happens in the end of this. So I would say in situations where you're tempted to try to control other things, like she mentioned, food or exercise or situations, it's going to be really important to look at your motivations. Why am I trying to control that? So I was just talking to my brother about this topic the other night we were in the middle of this big tense situation with a lot of unknowns and and i said i just want to know how this is going to turn out so i can know how to feel about it right now and he was like (laughs) control freak much and he's right i want to control situations because i want the tension to be done Yep. i do not want to have to live clinging to jesus for breath I don't want to have to live clinging to Jesus, so I won't worry. I don't want to have to live clinging to Jesus to help me trust Him and His timing. I want the tension to be done, so I can stop thinking about it.
1: And the self control you need is in all those other things. I want to grow in self control, so I'm clinging to Jesus. Right. That is right. where I need the self control, right. not on the outcome. So excellent.
0: I, I think my temptation, and probably the temptation of every other Type A personality, is to force things to happen a certain way because we know that our actions cause effects and we're sometimes deceived into thinking that our actions are actually causing the thing to happen a certain way. And we honestly don't have that kind of control over anything. Praise God. Yeah. We don't mess it up. I would, I would ruin the world. So it's really important to examine your why. If you're controlling your eating to try to control an emotion or a situation that is not using self-control the way that Jesus did. That's using control to manipulate a situation to get some sort of effect. Yeah. So a couple of questions I've learned from my good friend, Janet, <laughs> is <laughs> I could ask myself, how is my idolatry of control impacting this decision? Or how is my idolatry of control impacting this reaction or this relationship? How might my idolatry be taking me over or blinding me? So if you're noticing that you're tending to control I would just start asking, what's the why behind it? Yeah. What's it accomplishing?
1: And if it seems confusing, because it sounds like she's like, but I know I'm supposed to have self-control. I think your comment earlier about the goal of self-control is righteousness to say, okay, when I'm saying I'm only going to eat these things and I'm only going to do this, and I'm going to exercise this much. God, am I doing this because it increases my ability to do what is righteous? Right. Yeah. Because it's kind of hard to say yes to mm-hmm. that. I mean, sometimes I'm trying because my doctor said you need to right. do something and I'm doing it, but mm-hmm. that's not really what we're talking about but
0: even, But even in that, your goal is to make a body that's healthy it's to, be to faithful. do God's word, right. right? to live his way. So why am I doing
1: this? Right. Am I doing this because it will help me with righteousness or because then I won't have to feel guilty or then I'll feel at least like I can do something mm-hmm. and control the outcome. And then I realize that's the opposite. Of the fruit of the spirit of self control,
0: And I only feel qualified to have answered that question because I myself have had to think through why I ate so many brownies <laughs> <laughs> during COVID lockdown. And, it, you know, this is this is where it came for me is like I had made some really good health choices before COVID. And then when all of my reasons for those good choices got taken away from me, I was like, well, who cares? I can just comfort Mm. myself with food. Instead of having said, I will be self-controlled to be healthy because that honors God. Previously, I'd said, I will be self-controlled because it helps me to lose weight. And I like how that looks. Well, when you stop caring how you look, then it's not not a good motivation. And so you have to think through like, I only care uh, about that sometimes. Right. I will be self-controlled. Because that is a value that is honorable to God and it accomplishes godly things. And it
1: requires God for me to do it. I can't just do it and say, I'll show you God. It's a
0: fruit of the Spirit. It's evidence that the Holy Spirit is developing the character of Christ in you. Yeah, love it. I hear you, sister. Mm, (laughs) (laughs) Self-control.
1: Someone had to go there.
0: Okay. (laughs) Okay, here's our next question. Who is the person (laughs) in the Bible that you most look forward to talking to besides Jesus?
1: Which that was mean. (laughs) <laughs> that was me. That would have been an easy answer. <laughs> that was hard for me to think about. I mean, there's so many people. Like, I thought, I would love to talk to Adam and Eve and mm. just ask, what was it like before sin? Because yeah. I really don't know how to think about that. I can't even process
0: what no, that would be like. I,
1: it almost sounds boring, which tells you how much of my thoughts are sinful. Because I'm like, I don't even know what I'm do. Which shows how
0: much we, would, we don't get it. Right. If the only thing you had to do was just do fun things in the garden and glorify God all day, what would you do? Right. And you're like, that's pretty lame that I, don't, I
1: can't imagine. <laughs> can't even imagine well. it. So I want to know that. And when did they understand what actually happened? Mm. And how did that impact their relationship? Mm. I would love, maybe I won't care when I get there, but. Um, I think you'll care. I well, think that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. I think about Moses. What was it like for him overcoming his fear mm. and being a reluctant leader? Mm. I and mean, I think about that because fear of man was enslaving for me. It's still an issue for me, but was enslaving to me. And reluctant leader is what I would call myself. Mm. And I'm like, I would just love to talk to Moses because I sure don't have near what he had Mm -hmm. as far as responsibility. And just to understand the work of God in his life. Mary Magdalene, Mm. what was it like to have demons in Mm. you? And I don't know, I'd have to, I don't remember reading in scripture. Did she, I don't even know that she asked to be healed. Yeah, that's interesting. But to go from that to being healed by Jesus's love. Yeah. Like talk about appreciating his love more than most of us do. I should appreciate it more, mm. but I bet she appreciated oh, yeah. that. You know, yeah. think. I would love for her to explain what that was like. The other one I thought about was Aquila and Priscilla. I think just because my husband and I get the privilege of doing a lot of ministry together. Mm-hmm. And I think, what was that like for them? Like, how did they do that? I know that the roles were still there and honoring that, and yet they were definitely co-laborers mm. working together. And That's um, cool. I never thought about that. I, I would love to think about what that was like for them.
0: How about you? I think I am very interested in getting to know Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mm. I would just love to know what it was like for her to be the mother of How Jesus. How
1: intimidating would that I be? I know,
0: because mothering right now, mothering is a huge part of my everyday existence, yeah. and I wonder what it would have been like for her to be the mother of a perfect child, a literal perfect child. And then how hard it was when children numbers two through five (laughs) came along and she had to fight the temptation to be like, why can't you be more like your big brother, Jesus, every day for the rest of time? (laughs) Can you just imagine? Literally, what would it? And I think about this, like, does Jesus, the perfect man, did he ever get an ear infection? Like, I'm sure he did. Well, because it's he didn't sin, but he did have a sin, but he had a sin, cursed body. Yeah, that's right. So I just think like, wow, that'd be so cool. To get to talk to Mary, not in a worshipful way. I don't want to put that in any way inappropriate, but like, what was it like to be Jesus's mom? Yeah. I also think a lot about Titus because I really love the book of Titus. Oh, yeah. And so he was working on this island of Crete and it sounds super hard. He was given the task of helping these new converts there turn from what the Bible calls them, lazy brutes, to become (laughs) people that were zealous for good works. And I just want to hear the stories of how that went. (laughs) Why do I like, think it wasn't smooth? Like, how did, like, I was thinking this, okay? Titus was left there. Apparently, they thought him capable of doing yes. the job. How did he relate to those people? Like, they were known for sitting around on the porch, getting drunk, and talking bad about people. So, what was it like to visit with the members of his congregation that had a little Cretan brute still in them and not be weighed down by yeah. the work ahead of him or too hard on people who were progressively sanctified, not instantly perfected? Because I'm like, not with myself only with others you heard it from the bible why are you not obeying (laughs) it i love not with myself
1: (laughs) with me a lot of grace with you what in the world is your deal what
0: is the problem (laughs) but i just think man titus that would be so interesting to know what it would look like in real life to be like i'm helping these people progressively to be sanctified yes and the bible is pretty clear that they came from a rough spot so right Love it. Okay. What are the best ways you can think of helping or encouraging our pastors and their wives, especially those who counsel?
1: Ah, what a great question. Pray for them. That is huge. You know, I'm in some situations right now that some other people are part of with me and when they will email me or text me and say, I'm aware and I'm praying for you and specifically about whatever's about to happen. That really matters. That's, Mm. So pray for them and let them know you're praying. I realize even if you don't let them know, God knows and it will help them. But what an encouragement to their soul. That's helpful to know. Yeah, Um, that's helpful. That's very helpful. So just speaking from my own life as a pastor's wife and a counselor, make it easy for them to not let you know about details. Mm. It can be difficult to be friends with me and so much of what I do, I'm not going to tell you, Mm -hmm. but there might be ways I'm struggling that I could use your help, but not if you're going to ask me a lot of questions. Mm. And that's awkward. Yeah, that is. That could be weird. It is. But like, it would be wrong for me to talk to somebody about things that is none of their business. And yet, you know, for me, I have a friend who she will let me know she's praying. I can tell her where I'm struggling personally with whatever might be going on or what's difficult for me. And she might joke with me about <laughs> offering to beat them up, not even knowing who they are. And knowing it's nice that, to have a friend who always yeah, has your back. Exactly. And knowing that's not even the point. But it is a joy that I don't struggle with. She's going to be upset that I can't mm. tell her. And is she going to feel like I don't really care about her? It's yeah. like make it easy for them to know that you don't take that personally. Mm. Be a place for them to be able to talk about what's going on in their life, even though it will have to be vague about other people. Mm -hmm. So that's been a gift that some have given me that I appreciate. Earlier on, especially when our kids were younger and life was a lot tighter, gift cards Mm -hmm. so they can go get time as a couple. Not always gift cards or certainly invite them over for dinner. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you can tell that she's just going through a lot, giving her time with her husband is a gift. Mm -hmm. Offer to watch her kids when we were working with certain Sunday school classes and they would stay a weekend with the kids. I can remember Brent surprising me on Mother's Day. We went away for two days and a young couple came and just kept our kids. That's cool. What a gift. Yeah. For me to have time with Brent and know the kids were well cared Mm. for was great. So offering childcare. I can remember making it special for the kids because if we're, at least for me as a mom, I loved getting time with my husband, but I also would feel bad if Mm. I felt like I was shirking my kids. Mm -hmm. So when I knew that somebody was really interested in my kids and they were going to have a great time. They would make it really awesome. It's so much easier to enjoy my husband when I don't think my kids are at home going. How come we didn't get to go? (laughs) No. And we had a family, McMillans. I know Brenda listens to our podcast typically. They were local grandparents. And she would pick up the kids and keep them overnight. Oh, that's cool. They enjoyed it. And it was a blessing for us. So that kind of thing. I would also say serve with them. You know, we don't need to feel sorry for them Mm -hmm. that they're in ministry because it's awesome, Mm -hmm. but serve with them. Partnering in ministry is such an encouragement. Mm. If this pastor's wife's ministry was used by God in your life in some way, reminding them that what they do matters Mm. on the days when it's hard to remember that, Mm -hmm. that can be a real encouragement. Thanking them for living out a beautiful calling is nice. You don't need to apologize or feel bad. Encourage them in the work. Sometimes people are like, it's got to be so hard for you. I'm so sorry. And don't you just need a break? It's like, you chose this. I wouldn't choose a different way of life.
0: But to have somebody encourage me in it Mm -hmm. is a blessing. That's so cool. Well, it has been super fun to think about these questions. I love hearing from our listeners. They've brought up questions that I would have never thought, you know what we should talk about in in an episode? I know. It was fun because then, you know, at least one person wanted to hear about that. So so that's We made one person happy. But this was fun (laughs) to talk about together. I'm glad we did this Q&A at the end of the year. Well, thank you, Jocelyn,
1: for another fun year of getting to do the podcast. It's been great. And thank you, listeners, for listening in this year. And we do pray at the end of this year, you have some time to reflect on Jesus and what he's done, and then we can all be ready to serve him for as long as we have next year. We are so excited for some of the episodes that we've already got ready and in the hopper for yeah. 2023, and we have something new, so please be sure to listen to our first episode of 2023. We're going to have a challenge for our listeners. And for us. We're okay. going to have to for get sure. our game on. And for us, and there will be prizes. Ooh, so I love prizes. Stay tuned. To keep from missing any future episodes, please sign up for our newsletter on our webpage, joyfuljourneypod.com. From there, you can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify. You can also visit us on our Facebook page or Instagram at Joyful Journey Podcast. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can also email us at joyfuljourneyquestions at outlook.com. Joyful Journey Podcast is a ministry of Faith Bible Seminary. All proceeds go to offset costs of this podcast and towards scholarships for women to receive their MABC through Faith Bible Seminary.